Hello and welcome to the J-Rod Sports Pod with me, James Robson. And me, Ollie Dix. So today, Ollie and I are going to be taking a look forward to some of the big NFL games this weekend and looking at some of the big NBA news, the WNBA news, and a quick look forward again to the F1 race that's coming up this weekend. So let's jump straight into the conversation that Ollie and I are having about sport this week. Right, so Ollie, let's start with the Tennessee Titans because um, let's call this a fortnight to forget for them. I mean, yeah, where do you begin? Um, the string of COVID cases on our Tuesday podcast we thought was over and it is now back and it doesn't seem like it's going to get any easier for the Titans going forward. Yeah, I mean... So they've had two two new positive tests yesterday, was it, or two days ago? Yeah, on um, Thursday. On Thursday, and then they've had uh, another another positive test since then. Um, this, I mean, it, they're sort of unconfirmed reports at the moment. At the moment, but we're pretty confident that they were holding workouts for their players when they when they when they were shut down last week. When they were supposed to, in theory, be like the rules in this country are like self-isolating, and they are under similar guidelines there, at least inside the NFL. Now, I believe that it wasn't. Um, I doubt it was team organised. I think it might have been encouraged by the team potentially. You know, you can see some of the coaches going, "Oh, look! If you guys keep testing negative, there's no point. You, there's no reason you can't go to a sort of." Yeah field and I think they took run a bl- routes turned a blind eye to it yeah but uh, I think this is a this is turning into a bigger problem than we hoped it was yeah 100% and I think actually it seems like most of the other owners or executives and even the NFL as a whole seems to want to unfortunately for Tennessee like make an example of them yeah that like look like this will be the standard that if you do break rules like this is how you will be punished i mean the the concept of forfeiting a game is being floated around it will i mean you know it, it, they're playing the buffalo bills next so the buffalo bills would end up being five and oh yeah. Great for the Buffalo Bills, yeah. but for their players, they wouldn't pick up game checks that they would because they won't wouldn't be playing. They wouldn't be putting on the entertainment for the fans that kind of generates that revenue. So, so it's a sort of up and down. Bye week, really, yeah, isn't it? It's an extra bye week, but then you lose a whole heap of money. Yeah. So you know, positives and negatives, I guess, in that. Um, but everyone, you know, the word around the NFL was that it was a bit of an open secret that the Titans probably weren't taking this quite as seriously as they should have been. Yeah, very much so. It seems that like they weren't taking especially the mask guidelines seriously at all. And Cowboys owner Jerry Jones was was someone who was very influential in that pushing that kind of message forward that like we want someone to like be made an example of here and like they need to be punished for what they've done because we're all trying to make this work and 
one team could literally like ruin the whole NFL season. And I think the the kind of contrast that that, that we've seen between um the Titans and say the New England Patriots is that whilst this has affected a whole host of players at the Titans in the Patriots organization this has affected arguably two of their best players. Yeah, for sure. And what we saw though was that like the Patriots took every kind of precaution possible. So there was a two planes flew to Kansas City, one with players that had been in close contact with Cam Newton at the time and were players that could possibly test positive and then other players who they were 100% sure would not have been in contact with Cam in any way were on a separate plane to like ensure that it didn't spread any further than it needed to be and that seems to be the way to do it. What's worth mentioning with the Patriots as well is that they have in fact complained to the league that their locker room size or away their away locker room at the Chiefs Stadium, Arrowhead Stadium, was in fact too small. Really? So it goes against NFL protocols of actually how can you keep distancing when like there are players sharing lockers and et cetera like that. And I think a lot of teams have found that an issue. Yeah, I mean, I guess you invest all this money in your own locker room that when it comes to the opposing team's locker room, you're kind of like, well... Hmm, hmm, you do really, what you hmm. can to make them uncomfortable, don't you? Yeah. Like, make it as difficult as possible. Yeah. Um, okay, then, I mean, talking about, you know, switching our attention now from, from players to the more entertainment side of it and yeah. getting fans back in the stadium. The Florida governor has given the Dolphins, the Buccaneers, the Jaguars permission to hold games with stadiums at full capacity, which I, I, I accept the fact that we are in a different country. And so our national psyche and sort of the emotions around all of this is slightly different. I mean, full capacity. That's yeah. like 86,000 people at some stadiums. I mean, 100%. Do I believe that fans should be in stadiums by now? Yes, personally. I think there's enough distancing that you can do. I think it's even been branded as one of the safer places to be because you can definitely distance people and they have to sit in a seat for 90 minutes or whatever it is to, to do that. What what I find funny and but also hard to comprehend is that even now we are starting our statements with florida governor you know it's like florida man wrestles with yeah. alligator whilst in truck or something like that yeah and like that's that's it's it's ironic that it's it's florida that has decided to go forward with this but fortunately it seems that nfl teams are taking this not as a as a forceful statement but more as like if you want to you can but make your own decision so the Dolphins have said that they will not exceed 13,000 fans into Hard Rock Stadium, which is which is good. It seems like a manageable number. And as you said, like sports stadiums are, there are measures that you can take to ensure that people don't sit next to each other. I mean, you know, you could even just go and unscrew the seats on a whole lot of different seats and, you know, have people sitting in clumps. And I think that's, that's uh, something that we could definitely look towards. And, and l- looking at, you know, listening to people talking who have been there playing in games with limited fans and commentating on games with limited fans, everyone said that it might not sound like much, but 6,000 fans makes a hell of a lot of difference. Oh, for sure. And that's a lot of people as well. Yeah. Like, 
I get these stadiums, like you said, are built to almost like take hold of almost like a hundred thousand people, but thirteen thousand of those, like that'd be incredible noise and something for the Dolphins that actually, like we've spoken a lot about. Okay, NFL teams aren't in any bubbles, but they're also without fans. So the idea of atmosphere or going to a stadium and it being difficult to hear your cool player like telling you what you're going to play next like all those kinds of things like that becomes difficult and at the moment it is just a bit like glorified practice at times yeah but then looking at those bubbles then because the nfl you know nfl players seem pretty adamant that bubbles can't happen um i think the difficult thing and everyone will point to the mlb's gone into bubbles now uh the nhl has been in bubbles and obviously the nba has been in a very successful bubble these football teams are a lot bigger. You know, you've got a 53-man roster, you've got a 15-person practice squad, and then you've probably got 25 to 30, you know, and sometimes 30 coaches, including strength coaches and athletic trainers, and then you've got backroom staff, you know, equipment managers. You're looking at easily 100 people per team. You know, what are you going to do? Oh, find somewhere that you can house three and a half thousand people excluding all of the officials and people that need to actually run the bubble itself yeah i would i'm quite happy to say that i think this is impossible yeah when you're including the entire league i think if you go down to divisions or you come playoff time go down to playoff play, bubbles yeah playoff bubbles then that i can understand and that i think is workable because actually it's only that first like two or three week block when they quarantine for two weeks and then like say games at the end of that third week you then like are constantly just cutting your amount in half yeah and i think then it would become so much easier especially but those first three weeks would be stressful i think the bubble only works in the regular season if you do now just purely like divisional games yeah i mean my my only idea that i've got countering this somewhat is that i think it would be possible yeah essentially a lot of teams kind of go into a a bubble what we thought was a bubble before the covid lockdown for training camps you know they go into hotels or um university campuses and things like that and kind of lock their group down there i can't see why you couldn't move towards each individual team having a sort of a team hotel or a team campus that they locked down into for a couple of weeks at a time and everyone has okay everyone has a bye week together and we just have a week off and then everyone comes back and we do five weeks or six weeks in a in a miniature bubble so that you still get people flying to where they're playing but it's kind of more manageable and each team has to sort of manage their own bubble as opposed to uh, one centralised one. The thing I find hard with this is that the NFL is arguably the the number of players like you said is a lot more than any other sport but there also there's no one player that you can look towards that will lead you and be like right well if he says we're doing this then we're doing it then we're doing it like yeah. I think there's a lot of guys in the NFL that would not want to do it. We've seen guys complaining about how their bye weeks already changed. Yeah. You know, like that's something like quite small in comparison of going into a bubble. And if you're like not allowing family in, which I assume you wouldn't, 
because obviously everyone else has their lives going on yeah, as yeah. well like then i think yeah it's, you'd struggle to get buy-in yeah there's 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 too many people who wouldn't want it <laughs> for it to yeah. gain traction i think but i think it almost might come to a point where the nfl is like look if you get two or three more teams are like the titans do you have to I think you definitely have to you look at... You have to it. change something, surely. Yeah. But the MLB MLB had a situation with the Marlins, didn't they? And, and they, they the playoffs. But they managed to pivot it around and, and turn turn the situation around into something positive. So hopefully the NFL can do the same. What's interesting with that is that baseball then went on percentage. So not all teams ended up playing those full 60 games that we spoke about. Yeah. So actually, and that is something that the NFL have said, like, look, we could go towards this if there's teams that only end up playing 12 games and others play 16 or whatever then like we could go towards a win percentage i think the difficult thing with that is that obviously having a smaller amount of games means that one win and one loss make a are a bigger percentage difference oh your schedule becomes so important yeah, yeah. like Massive. imagine if you played the jets giants bengals and Denise, who else is pretty poor at the moment? Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos. You paid like two of those four teams twice. But imagine if your last four games were something like, you know, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, and the Seahawks. You'd be like, you get to week thirteen, you'd be like, nah, right, everyone's got COVID. <laughs> you wouldn't do it. <laughs> okay, then pivoting onto the sort of more football side of it, as opposed to as opposed to just talking about COVID. Uh, the first big news that's just coming out now is that the Chargers have named Justin Herbert as their starter moving forward. Anthony Lynn was a massive sort of fan of of Tyrod Taylor, but you know, Herbert. We we've discussed how impressive Herbert has been, yeah. and I think it is right to start building towards the future. Um, and Lynn, I think the big thing here was that. Lynn was a massive advocate for them drafting Herbert. Yeah. He was like, look, like, I want him. And almost, you can't say I want both of them for too long. At some point, you're going to have to choose. And at the moment, you can't choose Taylor. Uh, and, yeah, and Herbert is playing well enough that hopefully he will continue his development. Yeah, you can justify it, can't you? Yeah. Uh, and hopefully he will continue that development without kind of playing with the sort of carefree attitude because one of the things that's so good is that he's taking chances yeah. and when those start not falling his way hopefully he continues with that same mindset do you think his manner changes now like is there more pressure on you now now that you're a name starter rather than someone who's potentially just filling in for a few weeks until like said starter was like Taylor was meant to come back you know, like, is does he suddenly maybe get a bit cagey, or do you think hopefully, like, he continues to play the way he has? I think whatever he is this weekend will be what he is moving forward. I think it's it's very, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he how he comes out and reacts this weekend. I think they might win this weekend. Uh, who have they so got? So they play the New Orleans Saints. 
Yeah, that. I mean, that might be... It's a pretty good defence to play against. As in, for the Chargers, it's a good yeah, defence yeah. to face. It's a good matchup. Yeah, it's not a team that's playing well at the moment. And especially with a Chargers defence that has shown it can slow even the like mightiest of teams down. And Drew Brees isn't, isn't looking that impressive. No. Okay, then let's, I mean, let's keep going through the games then. Um, Seahawks versus the Vikings. Yeah, like I don't think the Vikings did actually turn a corner last week. No. And I think the Seahawks would continue to roll. Um, the only thing that might stop this is the Vikings seem to have some like found a run game with Dalvin Cook, like continued that yeah. run game, and that at some point is hopefully going to help Kirk Cousins click. Okay, then the Browns versus the Colts. I think this might be a really good game. You think? Yeah. Two, like, all right teams. Yeah, and I think the Colts' defense is actually very decent. Yeah. Um, what what rides on, what, what thing do you point towards? That if the Browns are going to win this, they have to do this. I think... This is all going to come. I think, and I actually think this is a lot of what the season for the Browns is going to come down to is how well Baker throws. Yeah. He won't throw much, but when he does throw, how effective is it? Do you think the Browns? I know this is going to sound obvious because of what I'm about to say, but almost if Baker doesn't turn the ball over, the Browns are almost in every game. Is that fair to say? Like when he does, I think it kills them massively. Yeah, they're a team that needs to start fast because they got some big egos on there. I'm thinking Jarvis yeah. Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. Like they both need to be involved in the game plan to kind of stay in, interested. And I think they're a team that they're a team that if they win the toss, they want the ball first because they want to go down and get up and get ahead of it. Yeah. Okay, then um, your Patriots two yeah. and two at the moment versus a Broncos team that is lacking in any kind of potency. I like. I, I think the Patriots will win this. Yeah. Even without Cam, even without Stephon Gilmore, even without most other people that they're going to lose, probably. I think. Were you impressed with Hoyer? Um, in the most part. Mod- moderately impressed with Hoyer. I was actually quite impressed with Stidham. Really. I just thought he played quite well. Do you think this is once again a Belichick defensive game plan that shuts them down, and it's a close, it's a s- small scoring game or a low scoring game? Is Drew Lock back for this? I don't think so. Yeah. So you're playing against some bloke off the street so <laughs> versus the best defensive court you know coaching mind and history yeah that's true uh cowboys versus giants God, i can't wait for this yeah, this, this is, is my game of the week really yeah i think this is going to be absolutely awful i think the giants might steal this <laughs> does that speak to how bad the cowboys have yeah. been yeah i we've we spoke about some of the stats of like how the Cowboys have um, let 38 points in for three consecutive games, which is the first time anyone has since like the 1960s. The thing that we have said about is that Dak Prescott is on pace to throw almost 7,000 yards, which is like 1,500 more than the record. But that's just almost... We've not really seen stat padding in the NFL, no. but it's almost that's the first point of it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I thought... the. I mean, the Rams do have a decent... Capability to produce some offensive output, and the the Giants kept the score low. I think if they can, I I am not confident that they can suffocate uh, the Cowboys as well as they did. But I think that Cowboys defense isn't as good as uh, I think it might flatter Daniel Jones a little bit. So what I'm gonna 
say to you now might worry you about your prediction. So mm-hmm. week one, the Giants scored 16 points against the Steelers. Week two, the Giants scored 13 points against the Bears. Week three, the Giants scored nine points against the 49ers. And last week against the Rams, they scored nine points. Okay, what I would say is... I think that Cowboys Arguably the best defense in the league in the Steelers. Right. Bears team have a very defensive-minded head coach. Yeah. The 49ers had most... No, they're not that good this year, but most of their defense is back. Right. They've lost a couple of the key players, but most of their defense is there. A lot of their injuries have fallen on the offensive side of the ball. And the the Rams have got some like seriously good players. Yeah, I think you're reaching. <laughs> Do you think that that Giants offense can score more than twenty? Because I think that Cowboys, that Cowboys defense can always score twenty. I think I think they will. Right, okay, we'll see. Put a quid on it. <laughs> okay. okay, right. The 49ers against the Dolphins. I mean, when I say the 49ers, I mean some San Francisco high school team. Yeah. Uh, you just praised them approximately 10 seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> I um, think the Dolphins win this. You, do you? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Fitz I want, Magic once again. Yeah. I'm up and down on Fitz Magic. It's I, kind of Fitz I, Magic's way, though. No, I know, but I think we talk about Herbert and, like, you know. And obviously Burrow is impressing, but um, the one I'm excited for the most is Tua. I don't think Tua starts for another fair few weeks. Really? Yeah. Um, so you're saying Niners then? No, I am saying Dolphins. Yeah, I agree saying Dolphins. with you, but it'll be close. Uh, the Kyle Allen-led Washington football team against the Los Angeles Rams. Is this any different for Washington? No. I think it's exactly the same. No, yeah, 100%. Uh, and I think the Rams walk away with this. Yeah. Um, I think the Steelers beat the Eagles. They've had, yeah, they've had about um, four years to prepare for this. Yeah, and the Eagles team does not look any better, really. No, it really doesn't. Uh, the Cardinals are going to beat the Jets. A Joe Flacco-led Jets? Any different? I somewhat think sometimes I would take Flacco over Donald right now. I uh, Donald uh, just this seems is, to have like that like stagnated. For me, this is a comeback game for Kyler Murray. He's got yeah. to answer some critics. I think it's a good game for the Cardinals to have right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Chiefs versus Raiders. This could be a bit of a spicy one, but I think the Chiefs probably steal yeah, it. Yeah, divisional game. The big dependence on this, I think, is Josh Jacobs, Raiders running back. Yeah, if he can have a good game, I think this. Chiefs yeah team could be in trouble and at some point we have to accept that they are going to lose this year yeah so I'm just not sure it's this week no neither am I (laughs) but I'm hopeful Uh, the Falcons are going to lose to the Carolina Panthers yeah Teddy Bridgewater is looking good enough I think yeah has his moments where you're like okay like this doesn't look like an awful move by the Carolina Panthers yeah and they could potentially be building something here what is said is that I think the Panthers are one and three and the Falcons are zero and four. Yeah, if the Falcons lose this, does Dan Quinn have a job on Monday? Yes, I think he has until zero and seven. Uh, that sounds awful. That, one yeah. and six, I think he'd still get fired. Fired or hired? Yeah, as in like, do you fired. think? Fired. You think? Dan Quinn. One and six, he'll be fired. Yeah. Two and five. 
Uh, I think he stays there for another week. <sighs> okay, I think. If I they, think there's. I there think needs they... to be such a massive reset there, though, that I think they're almost a bit like, how can we ride this out without, like, by limiting our damage at least? You know, if they lose this week, the noise will be deafening. Yeah. So loud. Do you think it'll be gone? Oh, and five. Is that enough to go? Yeah. Did you... I suppose what we haven't spoken about is... And we'll get to that team in a minute. Right, let's do... Right, Ravens, Bengals. Uh, depends. On? Lamar Jackson didn't Whether practice. he plays or not? Yeah. Do you yeah. think he plays? Uh, no. Robert Griffin third. Yeah. Most likely to start instead. Yeah. I'm picking the Bengals. Really? Yeah. I think there'll be enough of it. I think our G3 would have had a bit of a game plan this week that will actually allow him to get into some kind of rhythm instead of last quarter like they did last week and just throw him in and like force him to or like go and have fun almost. There'll be more of a strict role on him to, and that defence I think will then carry them against... I don't back him at all. Really? No. Have you ever been a fan of no. him? No. Oh, I liked him. He's one of my few players that I wish success uh, I'm borderline the opposite really yeah okay, okay and uh, the Texans against the Jaguars yeah is this Texans team obviously what we didn't mention in our news section is Billy O'Stooge Bill O'Brien Bob bye 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 Bob yeah um, after a fight with uh, JJ Watt and defensive coordinator yeah is this a Texans team that has suddenly got a new lease of life they're going to go out there and just light the NFL up. They did win the division last year. I think. I also think the other thing people forget: Romeo Cornell is is taking over. And Romeo Cornell was one of the masterminds behind Tom. The, the first three of Tom Brady's rings. Yeah. This is. He, he. This might be an opportunity for him to put his hat back in the ring for uh, some head coaching. And I think that Jags team is. Yeah, we're not sold on that anymore, are we? No. We're very much off the train. Yeah. I don't think we were fully on it, but no. we're definitely off yeah, now. We are very decidedly off now. Um, and then finally, a game that by the time our listeners listen to this will have been decided, but Bucks play the Bears for Thursday night football. Both teams are 3-1. and one. It's the first time two starters in a Super Bowl have faced each other both playing for different teams that's a cool start yeah um, and I think it, the result will be decidedly very different from the Super Bowl really yeah do you think comfortable Buccaneers win really yeah wow I think this is a big test for the Bucks offence I, I think that that Bears defence is good I just don't think that Nick Foles you know what your you're saying second, no bounce back your second weakest starter yeah yeah, you don't want that to be a short week when you're playing the Buccaneers. That's true, yeah. Okay, right, turn your attention to the NBA then and the WNBA, but let's start with the NBA then. Uh, game five of the finals is on uh, early Saturday morning for everyone. Uh, the Lakers have confirmed they will wear their black Mamba jerseys, which was approved by Vanessa Bryant. Um, it kind of suggests that they're trying to channel their sort of Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality and, and finish this, you know, 
on Friday night. Yeah, and what better way to commemorate him? If all these yeah. photos of them lifting the NBA finals, the NBA trophy championship can be of them in their Mamba jerseys, I think it's it's a fitting end to a very strange year. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think they'll get it done. Yeah, I know. I I agree. I'm I'm still confident in our Lakers in five. Yeah, I mean, hold hold the front door. We're going to get a prediction right. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, okay, and let's have a quick chat then about the finals MVP. Yeah. Uh, I'm picking LeBron. Yeah, so I'm surprised you said that. So for, I would say for for, for those out there who aren't sure, LeBron leads the team in points, rebounds, and assists and has run this incredible offense and been so clever. But we've often seen the storyline that we've almost gotten used to LeBron and we don't appreciate his greatness anymore. And actually him averaging 28, 11, and 9 is a down year, which is incredible. And Anthony Davis has come in and he's hit some big shots. He stopped pretty much Jimmy Butler's offense in game four. Do you think... I would say that some people are probably going towards Anthony Davis. Would you be like, is that justifiable? Do you think or I? My thing is, if you take Anthony Davis out of that team, it doesn't win. Uh, no, sorry, it it might win. If you take LeBron out of that team, it doesn't win, and that's why that's how I judge that. Yeah, and I don't think AD can be that talisman that you know. A lot of, you know, we, we've obviously all watched The Last Dance and, and enjoyed it a lot, but it's that situation where if you've got LeBron coming down the, the court at you, you're focused on LeBron coming down the court at you. Yeah. You kind of forget that you've got Anthony Davis over there. And I think that that is, is no, like, understatement. You have to focus on... LeBron coming down the court for, for sure I think this is what we if you were com- to compare it to the last dance is when we saw when Michael wasn't there the Bulls led by Scotty and Kukoc made the Eastern Conference semi-finals I think against the Knicks yeah and eventually lost you bring back Michael and you easily make the finals yeah and I think that's the same situation here with LeBron in that same situation yeah he just draws he just draws the attention Um, we're then turning our attention to the WNBA because we've got an exciting uh, exciting sort of series of basketball to recap on that the Seattle Storm won the WNBA finals sweeping the Las Vegas Aces 3-0 in the best of five series Um, dominant and I know I know that's obvious to say when it's a sweep but it, it wasn't a close sweep where we thought that the Vegas Aces would come out with, you know, no, anything. Really. None of these games were close. Um, you know, they were all won by more than 10 points. Game three was won by, I think it was something like 105, 86 or something like that. You know, like something that's not not close at all. Um, and this, this is the Storm's second title in three years. And almost seem to be built for success for the next few years, at least as well. Um, with Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird, sort of uh, as a foundation for this team, 
is this the big dynasty that everyone will look to be being toppled in the next few years? A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, Sue Bird, I think, is also in her 17th year, like LeBron James. They have that little bit of a, a friendship like that and still... Um, but ultimately, Brianna Stewart is arguably the best player in the WNBA at the moment. She can score quite freely. Game one, she scored 37 points. Game three, she looked very comfortable with just 28. You know, like, is quite obviously going to be around the league for a while and will be one of the best players I think in when all is said and done in WNBA history and so it's quite exciting to see her playing with such someone who's been around for so long like Subert. Yeah it's I mean it's a great opportunity for someone so talented to learn from someone so experienced Um, and you don't often get that kind of rookie not rookie but like young young player and veteran working well together towards the same goal if that makes sense no, like it, it, sure. there's obviously there's usually a bit of tension because the vet's trying to hold on to the importance that they have and the new young and talented person is trying to sort of establish their position and it, it usually grates on each other but it's so great to see them working together yeah like usually this is the case where they're in different points of their career and it's not really compatible yeah exactly but actually i think with these two they it's almost like a mother-daughter situation you know like i think there's 16 years between the two of them yeah so actually like which is crazy and so actually for you to uh, there's that relationship there which makes this so good that you almost can't find something wrong with it um and it's it's great to see that i know like we've spoke like mentioned it a little bit but actually for women's sports in the US to have the funding and the support to go into a bubble like the NBA and then like and for something so successful to come out of it I think is great and they arguably led the way in their social uh, injustice movements as well and lastly we'll just have a quick look forward at the IFL IFL yeah so not two F's just one yeah so I think it's it's something to do with German history. There we go. Uh, I Grand did. Prix. I did inquire with yeah, yeah. our special host and expert Sam Corti, and she had absolutely no idea. So <laughs> <she would've. laughs> yeah. she was like something to do with Germany. I was like, "Cheers, Sam." Um, <laughs> so the Eiffel Grand Prix yeah. uh, at the Nurburgring. Uh, first time we've been back there since 2013. Uh, let's go through the grid there. Um, Podium podium finishes in 2013. Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. From Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> from Romain Grosjean. Yeah. On a scale of 0 to 0%, how unlikely is that to happen? I again? wish we could swear because there's no chance that this is happening at all. This might be the order of the bottom three. Could you imagine if that was... If that was... <laughs> if those two Williams biff it... <laughs> this is I, very possible. No, here, here's my here's my bold prediction. If this yeah. happens, I I should put a pound on this because if I put a pound on this, I'll probably win a couple of grand. They will be the top three non qualifiers from Q1 into Q2. Really, you don't think Vettel makes it out of Q2? Do you think they? What is Q1 it? What are they going to be? I think they'll be eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> but in qualifying. 
they'll all then go backwards. No, I think they'll be like 16th, 17th, 18th. And then you got then you got nineteenth and twentieth for the two Williams. Yeah, Giovinazzi gets out. <laughs> what? And Magnussen gets out. <laughs> Gosh, what's worth mentioning as well when you said Mag- Magnussen reminded me, um, Haas say that they have ten drivers on their list of potential drivers for next year. That does not include uh, current F two racer Callum Eilat. So they've somehow already taken him off the list and still managed to create a list of 10 people that yeah. doesn't include him I one of the, one of the most tweet, exciting is like um roman and then uh mag um kevin <laughs> grosjean <laughs> just 10 different ways of saying roman grosjean and kevin magnuson um this weekend though looking forward to that this is a race that's usually done in july and we yeah. don't have to worry too much about European weather. We are now expecting a, definitely a wetter. This is peak a chance of rain, Formula One <laughs> yeah. racing, uh, and a colder race than we have had like this season so far. What does this mean for the drivers? The tyres become an even more important part. Is it a messier race? I think, yeah, I think a messy is going to be the way forward. I think you're going to see a lot of people sliding around because I. Uh, I think I I think it's going to be very hard to get temperature into the tires mm-hmm. and it's going to be very hard to um if the track does dry out at all the, the decision from when to go from wet onto you know intermediates or intermediates onto slicks is going to be a fascinating sort of sliding scale of when people do that I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see second drivers being used quite heavily here for you know you uh, I if Verstappen's in a good place, my goodness, Albon's going to be driving on slicks in puddles, I reckon. You know, that, like, it's that kind of thing where it's like, yeah. right, send someone out on slicks just to see what it looks like. I think, like, yeah, what you, I think we've always mentioned that the races that aren't based on pure speed, because we know that Mercedes win all of those, the ones like this that are like, there's more strategy involved. You can tell that like strategists have been thinking about everything that they can do possible whether it's one stop two stop you know expecting someone to crash when's the rain coming constantly looking at those kinds of things i think like they're going to have such a field day with that on sunday that we're going to be in for a bit of a treat i think there'll be twenty thousand spectators there as well yeah very true and there's also um all sessions will be available on YouTube for some European countries, but that does not include the UK. Oh, good. So if you're listening, I think there's Germany, Sweden, Finland, um, and a, a smattering of others. Um, that if you are in those countries and currently listening to us, then you'll be able to watch all Formula One sessions for this weekend live on YouTube. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, my last question about the IFL Grand Prix. Yes. Uh, what do you think? If you had to put a line on where the over/under on safety cars is going to be, what do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's going to be three? Oh, I think it might be three and a half. So I think there will. I think there will be. Yeah, three or four. What? So what's your over? Are you saying over or? The line is over. three and a half. Three and a half. So if you're picking under, it's one, two, three, and if you're picking over, it's four, five, six. And I'm going to say I'm going to include virtual safety cars in this. No. 
I'm sorry, I can't. Oh, you can't. I can't let you, can't. you include those. Okay. They happen far too freely now. I think there's right. an average of like two or three of those a week. If All you right. do, then I go over. I if stick. I, I, okay, just plain safety cars. Under. You think no more than three? Really? Three is a lot. If you think about it, when one person biffs it, there's usually two or three behind that get caught up in it. And I don't think we almost have enough drivers. We've had two we've had two red flags in a race this year. Yeah, but I think that like this will almost bring out the cautious side of drivers. I think. There'll be an expectation of like, look, if we finish the race here there's a bloody good chance of some points. Do you reckon? So do you reckon? Don't, don't do anything stupid. Do you reckon please. we have another situation potentially where if you finish, you get points? Because we got close, didn't we, in the first? Yeah, in the, yeah. In, was it Austria? Yeah, twelve drivers, I think, or yeah. eleven finishes. Yeah. Do you think we get close to that again? I mean, look, the the Nurburgring is formidable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I would love it. I'm going to go nine finishes. Nine finishes. What do they do at that last point then? Hand it out to the last person who crashed. You made it. You made it so far through the race. You crashed on the last lap. Go on, have a point. But you're still DNF. Or the so. safety car driver gets a point. Yeah, I think that's more right. <laughs> Add him to the points as well. He got what is it? Uh, Hulkenberg, <laughs> safety driver. Yeah, it's like oh, you know, in in seventh place in the uh, constructors' championships, Mercedes <laughs> for building the safety car. <laughs> Safety car. Mercedes yeah. would probably argue that that should be added to their points tally. I think it was a few weeks ago he was voted driver of the day. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was driving so much. That must have been the double uh, red yeah. Right, so thank you very much for listening to that episode of the J Rod Sports Pod. Looking forward to some exciting sport ahead of us this weekend. Uh, join us again on Tuesday for our J-Rod Sports Pod. We've got our J-Rod F1 pod coming out next Wednesday and I think we might be doing a J-Rod Giro pod over the weekend which is going to catch us up on the first week of the Giro and we'll come out on the rest day which is Monday. But until then, please make sure that you be a friend and tell a friend about the J-Rod Sports Pod.